For our morning worship, we'll begin reading Acts chapter 3, verse 22. Let us hear the word of God. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Amen. Trust the Lord to bless that word to all of our hearts. Let's seek his face briefly. Just ask for his help. Our Heavenly Father, we do come to Thee one last time to beg of Thy help, O Lord. We have come to such an important moment in this service where we are going to hear the very Word of God. And so, Lord, we pray that You will bless Thy message to us all, that You will undertake for me as I seek to deliver it. O Lord, that You would fill me with Thy Spirit, that You would fill all these people with Thy Spirit, that we would all rightly hear Thy message, and know how we are to respond to it. O Lord, Thou hast said that if we ask bread from our earthly fathers, will they give us a stone? And how much more shall our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? And so, Lord, we come pleading this promise that Thou wilt now bless us with an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this place. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to begin today uh, what I trust will be an edifying short series on the subject of the threefold office of Christ. So we have three Sunday morning services. I want to consider one of the offices for each of those services. That is, his offices of prophet, priest, and king. And these are large subjects, as most of you well know. And so several messages could be given to each, but we're just going to limit it just focusing on an aspect of each office uh, during these morning Lord's Day services. So having said that, I want to begin looking today at the prophetic office of Christ. This is why we've read from Acts chapter 3. And when we think about the name prophet, um, most often our minds often go to the subject of prophecy and, and future things. But the reality is that term prophet is a much more broad term that we need to understand has reference to just the fact that a man is bringing a message from God. In the Old Testament, that was always the case. It was someone who was bringing a divine revelation to men. And so he was the representative of God to men, representing the Lord in his message to the people. So he's a representative of God to men. He's a man who, who brings with him the divine message. And with that definition in mind, we should immediately see our need for such a messenger from God. The fall of man has rendered us all 
in a state of ignorance concerning God. Not concerning His existence, but concerning how alienated we are from Him and how we need to be reconciled unto Him through Jesus Christ. And so we need that revelation to come from God and He's chosen to do that through human instruments. And so the London Baptist Confession of Faith makes this statement in regard to Christ's prophetic office. It says, In respect of our ignorance, we stand in need of His prophetic office. In the Westminster Larger Catechism, dealing with how Christ executes this office of a prophet, says, Christ executed the office of a prophet in His revealing to the church in all ages by His Spirit and Word in diverse ways of administration the whole will of God in all things concerning their edification and salvation. And so I want us to consider this subject today from Acts chapter 3. In this text that we've read, this passage directs us to consider the prophet that was promised by Jehovah through Moses in Deuteronomy 18, that great passage. And so I want to preach to you today about Jesus Christ, God's unique prophet. Jesus Christ, God's unique prophet. And the first thing I want us to notice from verse 22 is that Christ is a prophet that can identify with his people. Christ is a prophet that can identify with his people. For it says in verse 22, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren. And so Christ was raised up from the human race. He was raised up from among the human race. And that, that tells us several things about him as he's a prophet we know that Christ is God. This therefore points us to the fact that He's truly God and truly man. He's God come in the flesh. And our Lord raised Him up from among the human race. And therefore, He's the perfect representative. He wasn't just a man in the way that all the other prophets were, but He was God and man. And so, He's the perfect representative of God to men because He is God Himself. And perfectly knows himself. He knows exactly as a prophet, as a proclaimer of the divine message. He knows exactly how to condescend in the revelation of himself to the needs of his creatures. You think of this as you look at Christ in his preaching ministry. And how he would preach to the people. The simplicity of his style. And the ability to, to communicate compelling truth that must be responded to in a concise and simple way to the common people. Because He was a man who could identify with the people that He was preaching to. Christ was not some ivory tower preacher far removed from the people that He was ministering the message of God to. But He was a man who had worked and lived among the people. He was a man who was raised up from among the human race. A man who knew the message that his fallen creatures needed to hear and was able to communicate it to them. Not only was he raised up from among the human race, but he was made like the man of God Moses, specifically. 
For we read, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Like unto me. And so we want to ask the question, well, how was Christ raised up from among His brethren like unto Moses? And when you look at this, you see many parallels between Moses and Christ. You see that Christ was raised up in response to prayer as Moses was. We read in Exodus chapter 3 concerning Moses, or rather concerning the Lord, and then the very next verse, you'll see the connection here, Exodus 2.23, And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. In the very next verse, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Now what that's doing, you see the connection between the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. We've been introduced to Moses in the beginning of the book, his birth and the way he came into the world. But now, in response to God remembering his covenant to redeem his people, He raises up Moses. That's the connection between the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. The transition of the focus to Moses. That God's going to raise up Moses and send him to preach deliverance to the captives in Egypt. And do we not see in that a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ? That God graciously, throughout the ages, remembering His covenant, to send forth the Redeemer that He promised in Genesis 3.15 to deliver His people, to preach deliverance to the captives. And so Christ, like Moses, was raised up in response to prayer because we see in Luke's Gospel, Luke, Luke brings this out more than the others, you see Zechariah, you see Simeon, you see Anna, this focus on prayer and these people who are giving themselves over to prayer No doubt praying for God to bring deliverance to them. As they're in their bondage to the Romans, as they're in this dark state spiritually and physically, I submit to you they would have been praying for the Lord to bring deliverance. As you go and you read those statements from Simeon and Zechariah, they were praying for God to bring them deliverance and the Lord raised up Christ at that very time. To deliver his people. And so he was raised up in response to prayer. And he's like Moses in that way. But he was also threatened with the possibility of murder at birth. You see that parallel between Moses and Christ. Moses brought into this world. Pharaoh gives a decree to kill all of the children under two. And Moses is hid and preserved and kept by God's providence so that he can then become the deliverer that he's meant to be, typifying the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see the same with our Lord Jesus. In Matthew chapter 2, we see Herod viciously desiring to murder all the children, and yet God, by His grace, according to His covenant, preserving the life of Christ. The Lord Jesus brought into this world, preserved and kept by the Father, 
throughout the attempt to take his life. And so he was raised up in response to prayer. He was threatened with the possibility of death at his birth. He was rejected by his brethren as their deliverer. Moses was rejected and Christ was rejected. You read in Exodus 2.14, the Israelites sang unto Moses, and he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? And then you see Stephen in Acts chapter 7, quoting that very thing, saying in Acts chapter 7 verse 27, But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? And Stephen is quoting all of this to give the history of redemption. And of course, giving the indication, the implication that as Moses was rejected as the deliverer of the people, so was Christ rejected of the people. As we read in John chapter 1, that He came unto His own and His own received Him not. So he was rejected by his brethren like Moses. But he was God's chosen messenger to preach deliverance to the captives. That's what we read of Moses in Exodus 3.10. Come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of of Egypt. And we read those very things of Christ in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 4 verse 18 Christ, reading from Isaiah, said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And so He is like unto Moses. And he is fulfilling this prophecy that was given so long ago in Exodus, I mean in Deuteronomy chapter 18. A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. And so he's raised up similarly to Moses, and yet we have to understand that he's still distinguished from Moses. Because this prophet, this man, This God-man, He is free from sin and never grieved the Holy Spirit. And yet Moses did sin against Jehovah in the wilderness, in Numbers chapter 20, by not faithfully representing Him before the people when He smote the rock to bring water out. He was not faithful in declaring the message that God had given Him, and yet we see our Lord Jesus is always faithful, never failing, to proclaim accurately the Lord's message to the people to whom He was sent. And you think of this in relation to Moses, but you can also see it in relation to some of the other prophets. You think of Jonah. How Jonah refused at first to take the Lord's message to the people that the Lord said, go and preach deliverance to these people. Go and preach them a message of repentance. And Jonah was disobedience to the Lord's call. And yet we see that Christ, this prophet, was never guilty of anything like this, but always faithfully represented the Father and was willing to take the message everywhere He was sent. You think of what He said to His disciples 
in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. Therefore am I sent. So Christ's entire focus of His ministry is going to preach the message of deliverance, the kingdom of God, repentance and faith in the gospel to all the people that the Lord would have Him go. You think of that in relation to yourself. You think of the fact that Christ, though He is no longer on this earth preaching in person, as we read in our catechism, is preaching by His Spirit through His Word the message of deliverance. And you think of how Christ brought His message to you, wherever you were. Wherever you were, the Gospel message was sent by Christ unto you. You were not left in your sin. You were not left to an eternity in hell. Christ was willing and able to take the message of salvation and bring it to you so that you would repent and believe His gospel. We see Him doing that in the gospels. We see Him doing that today. And each person here who's saved is a testimony to that. That's the first thing I want us to see. That Christ is a prophet that can identify with His people. Secondly, I want you to see that Christ is a prophet with absolute authority. Christ is a prophet with absolute authority. Verse 22 again. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. A prophet with absolute authority. You see, I want us to see here that as God, this authority that Christ was invested with was based on his relationship to the Father. Why this prophet above other prophets was said that whatsoever he shall say unto you. Other prophets were given very specific messages and that this prophet, he has a a complete connection with the Father so that his message is always accurate. There was never anything that he could say that did not have the authority of heaven behind it. And that was because He was God, the Son of God, with His unique relationship to the Father. As we read in John 1.18, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him, or revealed Him. And so we see that Christ, in a way that no other prophet ever did before, was able to He had this unique relationship with the Father so that everything He said, everything He said was perfectly revealing the Father. Not that any of the Old Testament prophets were in error, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but there was a uniqueness to Christ's relationship that none other had because He was the only begotten Son of God. You see this as well in Luke chapter 10. 
Verse 22, Christ said, All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. Again, pointing out that the Son perfectly knew the Father. He did not have to wait for revelation. He had the perfect revelation of God constantly to bring before the people. And so as God, His authority was based on His relationship to the Father. And as man, this authority was based on His commission from the Father. Back in Acts chapter 3, we read that the Lord raised Him up. And we've already read Luke 4.18, where He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He hath anointed me, He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And so He was commissioned from the Father with this authority, so that everything He said must be taken as the very Word of the living God. As He was revealing Himself through the Old Testament prophets, as we even read here from Samuel and all that spoke after Him, and in the books of Moses, we see Christ revealing Himself, and yet now He's come in the very person of Jesus. He has been incarnated as God in the flesh and has this authority from the Father. And so this authority is unlike other prophets. And and we see that in the fact that they said, Thus saith the Lord. But Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you. There was a unique authority in that statement. And you search the Gospels and you won't find Christ saying, Thus saith the Lord before He preaches. He says, I say unto you so that even the Roman soldiers could testify. No man ever spake like this man. When you think of that in relation to your own conversion, when Christ spoke to you by His Spirit through His Word, you've never read anything like this. At least that's how it comes to most believers. That's how it came to me. I've never read anything like this. What are these words? It's like nothing I've ever read. It's because no man ever spake like this man. There's no other book like the Word of God because there's no other book that is from God. He is the only one in Scripture. Christ is the only one in Scripture of whom it is ever said that the Father gives a Spirit to Him without measure, without limitation. That's because He was the sinless prophet. The prophet that would never grieve the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit was given without measure to Him. And so Christ is a prophet with absolute authority. But thirdly, I want you to see that Christ is a prophet to whom all are accountable. Christ is a prophet to whom all are accountable. Whatsoever He shall say unto you, and it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Every soul that will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. 
Because Christ has this authority from heaven, because His message is, is uniquely communicated directly through His personhood that He has connected to the Father because He's the only begotten Son of God, we're told here that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. And so what does that tell us? That tells us that those that reject Christ's message will be destroyed. And that is a sobering reality. Those that reject Christ's message will be destroyed. And this is more than a physical destruction, although that can be true as well. And why is this significant? Because many people did not take Christ's message seriously during His earthly ministry. And many people today do not take it seriously. Let all of us here take heed today that Christ never uttered one false word. Every single thing He said, all of His prophecies will come to pass the wonderful and beautiful statements that are so comforting to us, as well as the hard and scary statements. What do I mean? Just a couple examples of this. In Matthew chapter 7, Christ said these words. Chapter 7, verse 21 of Matthew not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Brothers and sisters, that's a sobering statement. That is something that each of us have to examine ourselves in light of. And I, I don't want to make anyone tremble in fear in one sense, but at the same time, Christ says that there are going to be many who say to Him, Lord, Lord. And, and we can see their fault that they're, they're trusting in their works in Thy name have cast out devils in Thy name, done many wonderful works. We've prophesied in Thy name. They're trusting in their works. They're not trusting in Christ. And so we can see that. But we want to be careful that you examine yourself, that you are not trusting in your works today. That you are looking to Christ. Because this Word is going to come to pass. Never one false statement uttered from the lips of our Lord. This is going to happen. Christ also said in Matthew 24, verse 41 through 46, Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? 
Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Pardon me, brothers and sisters, I'm in the wrong reference. Chapter 25. I'm in chapter 24. Chapter 25. Verse 41. We'll just go to verse 45. Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. And that's the point that I wanted to drive home to you. That Christ says there's going to come a day where there's going to be the goats on the left and the sheep on the right. These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. And this is a part of the message that we are obligated to proclaim to people, to warn them that what Christ said concerning hell is going to come to pass. And that we need to warn all those who take lightly the words of Christ. And all those who may be trusting in a false Christ or trusting in themselves that they're going to be righteous before God. Because what Christ has said is going to happen. These are frightening statements that we've just read. For anyone who is outside of Christ, and I beg you in the name of Christ, beware of the eternal state of your soul. And take heed to what Christ has said. Those are the some of the negative things that we think of. But praise God that Christ also said in Matthew 11 that all who are weary and heavy laden, they could come unto Him and He would give them rest. Matthew 11, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For My yoke is easy and My burden is light. Christ said in John 6.37, All that the Father giveth to Me shall come to Me, and him that cometh to Me I will in no wise cast out. And so as much as we are in fear of those statements concerning hell, we can rejoice and be comforted from the statements that Christ has said regarding our coming unto Him. That once we've come to Him and He's brought us to Himself, He'll never cast us out. He will never go back on what He has said. And so those that reject Christ's message will be destroyed those that receive Christ's message will be saved. That's the necessary implication of those words we read in Acts chapter 3. Every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. The necessary implication is then that every soul that will hear that prophet, that will obey that prophet, that will receive that message of this prophet, shall be saved. They won't be destroyed. And God has sent this unique prophet to reveal the way of salvation to lost, hell-deserving sinners. And I trust that that comforts your soul this morning as it comforts mine that, that He did not choose, that God did not choose to leave us 
in our sin with no message of salvation, but has from the beginning, through the Son of God, been revealing the way of reconciliation. That's what we are told by Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So from the very beginning, this message of salvation has been coming to a lost humanity. And so, Christ is a prophet to whom all are accountable. But fourthly, I want you to also see that Christ is the prophet to whom all the Scriptures bear witness. In verse 24, Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. He's the prophet to whom all the Scriptures bear witness. And so we see there that He is the anti-type of all other prior prophets. That as He was to Moses, so He is to all the other Old Testament prophets. That they are all pointing us to Him in their writings and even in their work. That they are men sent from God to proclaim the message of deliverance. And Christ fulfills that type as the final prophet as we read in Hebrews chapter 1, that in these last days God hath spoken to, unto us by His Son. And so He's the antitype of all prior prophets. From Samuel and all those that follow after, as many as have spoken. And so He's the antitype of them all, but He is also the subject matter of all the prior prophets, as we just read in 1 Peter. That the Spirit of Christ was in them, prophesying of the grace that should come unto you through Christ. And so, here we're pointed to that fact that we always need to be reminded of that when we are reading the Old Testament Scriptures, the divine interpretation of the Old Testament is that Christ is the chief subject. That He is the focus. That from Genesis 3.15 through the rest of our Bibles, it's all about the coming Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not always clear in some places. He's not always there as clearly as, it is, as He is in others. But still, He is there, and we can never forget that. And it's easy to forget that. But He's there, as we're told right here. From Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, they foretold of these days. What days? The days of Christ the days in which He would come and open up the fountain for the cleansing of our souls. Fifthly and finally, here, I want you to see that Christ is the prophet by whom all nations are blessed. Christ is the prophet by whom all nations are blessed. Verse 25 and 26 Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up His Son Jesus, sent Him to bless you in turning away every one of you from His iniquities. 
He's the prophet by whom all nations are blessed. They are to be blessed by His message. And they are, they are to be blessed by His work. Christ is the promised seed of the Abrahamic covenant. And He is at this very moment, by His Word and the Holy Spirit, through the instruments of His people, preaching the gospel to all nations. Preaching the gospel to all nations. In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. And, and this is the point as we see here this focus upon Christ as the prophet that was foretold by Moses, that He was to be the one, the seed of the woman that should crush the head of the serpent, the seed of the Abrahamic covenant promised to Abraham in Genesis 17, that this entire time has been focused on Him so that we understand Christ is the true seed of Abraham in whom all nations are to be blessed. And this is that text, is very much the same as that text we're told about in Galatians 3.8, that God in this text, when He says, in thee shall all nations be blessed, that He's preaching the gospel to Abraham. That's what we read in Galatians 3.8, that God preached the gospel to him through that text. And this is a, this is a side note. But it was a while back, a few months ago, I was reading that text, and that it struck me in a way that it had not before. In Galatians 3.8. It says that God preached the gospel to Abraham in saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. And it just dawned on me, and perhaps it's dawned on you a long time ago, but when you read that verse, in thee shall all nations be blessed, God is preaching the gospel to you. And that just blows my mind. Is it not amazing to you that when you open up your Bible and you read these statements of Christ, you read these wonderful prophecies of the coming of the Messiah in the Old Testament, that God Himself is preaching the Gospel to you. That thrills my soul. Christ is preaching to you. Continuing His prophetic office. We don't have Him in person today, but we have His Word. And through this Word, by His Spirit, He preaches to us. We're told in Galatians 3.16 that Christ is Abraham's true seed. We're told in Galatians 3.29, if you are Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What is the promise? The promise to be blessed in Him. Blessed in Him with salvation. And this is so pivotal for us to understand that the Abrahamic covenant was not primarily with an earthly people for earthly reasons. It was a covenant typifying Christ, the great Redeemer to come who would preach deliverance to the long lost sinners held captive in their sin. It wasn't just about some, an earthly land or an earthly inheritance. It was about a heavenly inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're pointed to here. That's what we're told. Israel was the first nation to be blessed in Him. In thy seed, that is Christ, shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first 
God, having raised up His Son, Jesus, sent Him to bless you in what? In turning away every one of you from His iniquities. It has been over 2,000 years since Christ has come and fulfilled this promise of God. But don't leave here today thinking that this prophetic office is a thing of the past. It doesn't have relevance to you. Christ speaks to us today by His Word and Spirit. And so every day when you open up the Bible, Jesus Christ is speaking to you. Pause for a minute and think of that. As you've already said, God Himself speaks to you, a sinful and finite creature who deserves nothing but wrath in and of yourself. And yet God preaches to us through His Word. And so let us read His Word, understanding that it is Christ who is speaking. And also, let us preach His Gospel, understanding that it is Christ by the Spirit who is preaching through us. As you think about the prophetic office of Christ, as you think about our union with Him and what we have in Him, when Christ ascends into heaven, He gives His commission to His church. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. How are we to do that? Well, Christ has equipped us to do that because as we are in Him... We have access through Him to the power of the Holy Spirit to proclaim Christ to the world. That is the beauty of His prophetic office is that Christ, as we, as we know, He makes us all a kingdom of priests. Well, we can say the same. He makes us a kingdom in one sense of prophets so that you have the Spirit of Christ in you to proclaim the gospel to all nations. And that was the point of Pentecost. The Spirit poured out in a way He had not been before. The Spirit came upon people in the Old Testament, but there was a greater fullness to the kingdom of Christ and to His people having access to the Spirit. To do what? To preach the message. I trust the Lord will bless this Word to our hearts. Let us just give thanks before we sing. Our Heavenly Father, we give Thee thanks for Thy Word. Pray that Thou will bless it to our souls. Help us to take it with us. And that You would use it to embolden us and empower us to walk in this world as our Savior walked. For we ask it in Christ's name.